Hundreds of small tents dotted the countryside. The people had come to hear the words of their beloved king and prophet, Benjamin. He stood on the top of a tall wooden tower that had been constructed on the temple grounds at Zarahemla. The king knew that with the enormous crowd, not everyone would be able to hear his words clearly. So in addition to giving his talk vocally, a written copy of his speech would be passed out to the people later that same day. King Benjamin had promised the people that, if they would come and attend this great conference, he would give each of them a life-changing gift. A buzz of excitement spread through the crowd. They could see the aging king approaching, then slowly climbing the steps of the tower. Now a hush. Their beloved King Benjamin was about to give his final farewell message to the Nephite people in Zarahemla. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we are pleased that you would join us on this day. Andrew, tell me a little bit about that speech that the king was about to deliver. How do we rank that among the speeches in the <laughs> scriptures? <laughs> um, it's definitely one of the best. It's, it's a great speech. We often quote it. We often um, talk about it in church. And it's because... It was so profound at that time, and it still is amazing today to read and, and think about what he said to those people. What are some of the topics that he approached? He talked about a service and how he had served the people and how they should serve each other. Right. He talked about the atonement. He talked about how if we want to become great, we have to be like little children, oh, yeah. willing to adjust ourselves to the will of our Father. Yeah, he talked about how we're worthless. <laughs> he did, and he talked about how if we have money or if we have wealth, we should be willing to share with those in need. So we taught a great lesson on charity and even talked to the poor and said if they didn't have wealth, they still could accept with the understanding that if they did have wealth, they would give to others as well. So mm. all of that was part of this message. He set up things for him too, by kind of explaining some of their problems. And I think they were maybe a little hurt by it, but they were open enough that they realized what he's saying was true. He set it up so that he could give them the solution to the, the problem that he presented for them, too. You talked about the fact that he told them that they were worthless, and he did. They used that exact <laughs> words. He told them that they were worthless, and that the natural man is an enemy to God. It was not typical of King Benjamin, who was generally a kind and compassionate person, to speak in those harsh words. Why do you think he spoke that way to these people? Because it was true, <laughs> for one thing. But I think he, like I said, I think he was preparing them. I think he wanted them to understand the circumstances that they were in and that they needed help. Okay, and that's a, I think you're exactly right. I think he really wanted them to understand that without divine help, without divine assistance, they could do all of these worldly things, but they would never be of any value to anyone. Yeah. And he told them that without divine help, they were lower than dust. <laughs> <laughs> and Which it's is true. Pretty low. <laughs> it, it is true. Like, you think about it, without divine help, 
we're nothing. We really literally are people wandering around doing dumb things and then we're going to die. And that's the message of the gospel that we need to understand that without the atonement of Jesus Christ and his grace, it doesn't matter what we do. It's of no value. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he was expressing to these people. But with his help, we can become great. We can become something more than what we are. It's interesting. In Mosiah chapter 4, verse 2, it says, And they viewed themselves in their own carnal state even less than the dust of the earth. <laughs> yeah. So his message came across pretty well. I think the people were pretty <laughs> discouraged. Uh, and they, they, in unity, all fell on the ground and cried out, this is another quote in Mosiah 4.2. Oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins. Yeah. I don't know exactly how that works. It says they all cried out with one voice. But I tend to think that they all had the same attitude. But maybe one or two people were speaking for the group, kind of. Because I don't know how everyone says all no, in unison right. at the same time anything. But no. I think they all felt that same way and were saying, help us, we don't want this. We don't want to be worthless. Yeah, even though they may not have said it vocally, that was the feeling in their hearts. That was the feeling in their heart, yeah. King Benjamin had promised them something. He promised them a gift if they would come to uh, attend that conference. And at this point, King Benjamin told them that God himself would come down to earth, take upon himself a physical form, and then take upon himself the sins of the entire world. He then told them the name that he had promised to give them was the name Jesus Christ. And there's a couple things about that. I think, one, they would have been really familiar with the idea of sacrifice. Right. Because they were Jewish and they sacrificed animals. In fact, they even came to the temple that day and with all of their tents all around, but they had brought with them the firstlings of their flock to offer as sacrifices according to the law of Moses. And they probably were also even familiar with who Jesus Christ was at some level because Nephi had had revelations about Jesus Christ. So he knew he was the one who gave them that name that told them that he would be called Jesus Christ. So they knew who Jesus Christ was, although they might not have totally understood a lot of the things. And so he was there explaining some of those things to them and giving them the the doctrine of, of Christ. Right. And he announced to them that in order to have access to the atonement of Jesus Christ, the people would have to make certain covenants. What were these covenants, do you know? To take upon them the name of Jesus Christ. It's really similar to the, what we, the covenants we make with our sacrament uh, prayers. Yeah. They and had that... to be willing to take the name of Christ upon themselves. That's Mosiah 5, 8. They had to promise to always remember him. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's an, another covenant 5, that we make in sacrament. And they had to be willing to keep his commandments that he had given them. So it's, it's basically the sacrament. <laughs> the sacrament <laughs> but, prayer. But what's That's interesting Mosiah is... Mosiah 5, 5, by the way. Well, the interesting thing to me is that the sacrament hadn't yet been instituted. So at that point, they might have wanted to make a renewal of their commitments to Christ, but they didn't have the sacrament ordinance to do that. So they might have had to do things like get rebaptized, maybe. As you think about the uh, the statement that King Benjamin made... He said, by taking the name of Christ upon themselves, they would become his sons and his daughters. Mosiah 5, 7. Yeah. So what was King Benjamin teaching them? How does a person take upon himself the name of Christ? 
And that is through, through baptism. Through baptism. How do you become a child of Christ? Not a child of our Heavenly Father. We're talking about a child of Christ. Well, it's, it's by making a covenant, and the covenant that we make is baptism. Is baptism. So we're making these covenants, but we actually make the covenants by doing something. Yeah. And that is baptism. Yeah. And I think they understood baptism. We know that Nephi talked about baptism. He, he taught them. That was the gate. The, the gate they entered in was baptism, and he taught them that Christ himself would be baptized. Right. Nephi said in Second Nephi thirty one thirteen, you take upon yourself the name of Christ by baptism. Mm-hmm. That principle was already there, but uh, now King Benjamin was re-emphasizing the importance of that. And some of them may have already been baptized, but like I said, they didn't have the ordinance of, of the sacrament. So they, some of them, if they had already been baptized, were probably needing to renew that covenant that they had made at baptism the first time. And they might have rebaptized those people, or maybe they just were able to just remake a covenant. But I think I, there was a lot of baptisms done that day. I think so too. And I think that many of them, even if they had been baptized, had gone through the motions of baptism without understanding the covenants they were making by that baptism. And he explained to them that these are the covenants that you're making. You're taking upon yourself the name of Christ. You're committing to always remember him, and you're committing to keep his commandments. The sacred name that he had promised to give them was the name of Jesus Christ. Also, this group of people that were before him was not just the Nephites. It was a combination of Nephites with the new people of Zarahemla that right. I don't know how a long they had been, of the two. How long they had been together at that point, do you know? Uh, about 75 years. So it had been a while, <laughs> but yeah. some of those people... And it may, may have been shorter than that, but something somewhere in that range. It might have been a, a newer thing for some of the people, though. Yeah. Can you take upon yourself the name of Christ in any other way? No, that's the gate that Christ says we should enter in by. Can you become his Christ's child in any other way? Not officially. <laughs> no. You can call yourself, but he says, you know, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter in. And he talks about the gate that we should enter in by. And baptism represents, going down in the water represents a death being laid under the ground. And then you come forth out of the water as yeah. a rebirth. Yeah, Paul talks about that. Yeah. And whose name do you take upon yourself by coming out of the water? You we, become... A Christian. A Christian, a child of Christ. Yeah. And that's the only way that you can achieve that. So even though reading the lines of the Book of Mormon, it says nothing about baptism. Reading between the lines of the Book of Mormon, Benjamin was teaching baptism. Yeah. I don't think baptism's ever mentioned there, is it? No. There's not, not, the word yeah. baptism isn't in that entire section. And I think the reason for that, personally, I think, is because Mormon, as he's transcribing this record or abridging it, he's understanding the, the covenant, the point of the, the baptism. So he doesn't <laughs> talk about baptism in itself. He's talking more about that covenant that they're making. And that's something that happens in, in your heart, really. And he's saying, these people changed. They, and he's talking about how wonderful that was. And so he doesn't really bring up necessarily the baptism itself. He just talks about the covenant. To me, the, one of the most beautiful analogies in the scriptures is that of becoming a child of Christ. It's something that we don't always talk about in church, I think, because it can be confusing to say we're children of Christ. Right. 
because we can confuse that with meaning children of heavenly father. And we kind of go, what, which one are we children of? You know, like, <laughs> but we, we are, we're, we become children of Christ or disciples of Christ through the atonement because of, of that trial or that suffering that he went through, we're able to, to be cleansed. And even though that caused him a lot of pain, it's worth it for him. And so he, he offers that to us. And so yeah, that's what Benjamin's t- talking to these people about. He's saying, you can become sons and daughters of Christ. And through that, you become a child of God, a, an heir. That's right. A joint heir. In retelling the story, the prophet Mormon indicated that, quote, there was not one soul except it were little children, but who had entered into the covenant and taken upon them the name of Christ. Yeah. So the children were too young to be accountable. So they weren't baptized, but everyone else was baptized either then or reminded of their baptisms at an earlier date. Which again, you know, going back to where we started out, it shows you how great of a speech this was, how, how much they must have respected this King Benjamin. He was a good person. The reason for this conference was not only to give them the name of Christ and to uh, re-emphasize the importance of their baptismal covenants. This was the time of the coronation for the new king, who was Benjamin's son, King Mosiah. So the people had come in excitement to, to hear this great sermon, but also to celebrate the coronation of the new king. Many of their lives would be forever changed because of that occasion. Yeah. Sadly, however, some of the children who were not baptized at that point would grow up and would reject the teachings of King Benjamin. In Mosiah 26.4, it says, And they would not be baptized, neither would they join the church. That's sad. (laughs) It is sad, because they saw the example of the people and said, If that's what they're going to live like, I don't want any part of that. That's kind of the history of the entire church. Like There's always been that. It was interesting because Alma then became the prophet at that point, and through his teachings, many eventually did accept the church and were baptized into the church after that. Also, all of the people who had left to go to the land of Nephi, when they returned, they asked Alma, please, we're watching these other people who have been baptized. We want those same blessings. And so he baptized those people, the people of King Limhi, mm were also baptized members of the church, and the church grew at that time. Yeah. How can we apply this message in our lives? What does it mean to you, and what does it mean to me, to understand better the principle of baptism? You know, I think one of the greatest blessings that we have is that we have the sacrament, which allows us to renew (laughs) our covenants every Sunday. Every Sunday we can think about, how can I become a child of Christ and really follow him and be a disciple? We can, we can always renew that covenant. And we we should, we should be always thinking like, and that's, I think, part of always remember him is thinking, how committed am I today? As Alma talked to the people about, you felt that desire to sing the song of redeeming love. Can you say so now? Can you look in the mirror and see that in your heart? I say unto you, can you look up having the image of God engraven on your, upon your countenance? Do you, do you remember making all those covenants? Do you remember why you did that and what changed in your heart? We so appreciate you listening to us today. We hope that this is a benefit in your life and that your testimony of the Book of Mormon has increased. Next time, we'll be talking about what happened after the speech of King Benjamin. Until then, 
Enjoy your reading.